So we're gathered on the morning of the appearance day of Thakur Bhakti Binod. have a short discussion about the contribution of the Thakur to the world and to the community of Gaudiya Vaishnavas. Gaudiya Vaishnavism ke jai. Shri Bhakti Binod Puribahar ki jai. So the history of Bhakti Binod is very uh, compelling and very instructive to us and his uh, contribution to the world and to the community of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is um, tremendous and we are of course living in the wake of that contribution it was Pujapat Sridharmarsh was fond of saying that the conception of the worldwide distribution in a meaningful sense was conceived by Bhaktivinoda Thakur to take Vaishnavism outside beyond the um, borders of, of Bharata, of, of India. <clears throat> Not that the, the idea for that doesn't have its origins earlier, dating to the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, who's has said that Prithipati Achijata Nagaradi Gram Sarvata Prachor Hoyibe Monam. My name will be heard in every town and, and village. He didn't see ever say every big city, <laughs> but uh, there weren't many at the time. And it came to be thought that that idea of Mahaprabhu, that statement is, I think, perhaps um, through the pen of Brindamana's Thakur and Chaitanya Bhagavat, was restricted, excuse me, to Bharata, to India. Because the thought of taking it throughout India was staggering, given the, given the variety of religious conceptions, misconceptions and so forth, out and about, and uh, and the measure of irreligiousness as the march of Kali Yuga um, came on. And, of course, it's a simple doctrine as put forward by Nityananda Prabhu, Pajagauranga Kahagauranga Lahagauranga Yanam. Chant the name of Gore, worship Gore, give the teachings of Gore, and so forth. Um, but in charming, compelling, easy to uh, apply oneself, just chant the holy name, it's um, not complicated, unless the, the teachings are a little bit complicated, <laughs> <laughs> the implications of them, and w- without understanding them, without sufficient grounding in Sambandagyan, it's difficult to get much fruit from the chanting. Bhaktivinoda was um, uh, very um, acutely aware of this at his time because the condition of Godi Vaishnavism, what to speak of being perched to spread throughout the borders of India and overflow into the world, it wasn't given much currency even in Bengal where it had its birth. So he understood wisely that while the chanting has been distributed and um, a good number of people have taken it up without sufficient sambandagyan, the chanting isn't bearing much fruit. So he wanted a systematic teaching about the... um, the Dharma of the Nam, given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that was 
a systematic teaching, I should say, that was given by the Goswamis to be systematically distributed and um, rewritten, so to speak, almost for the, uh, the public in India. And beyond that, then, his vision went, as I said, beyond the borders of India to the, to the world at large, which is going in a very uh, different uh, direction than Gaudi Vaishnavism and even a uh, different direction than, uh, than, than religion, even to, to an extent. Um, not as much as today, but nonetheless, that uh, was no longer a religious world only during the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it was a religious world <laughs> throughout. There was no atheism, uh, practically. A little bit in India. Uh, Charbuck's theory and so forth. I suppose there's always one here and there, but it didn't have any dominance, any, any, any prominence, any power, so to speak. Um, in Europe... Well, I guess in Europe at the time of Chaitanya, it was beginning the Renaissance and so forth. But at any rate, um, it was quite a quite a challenge, and so he he envisioned, as as Sridhar said, this idea of worldwide kind of influence of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, like like the Catholic Church has its influence and it weighs in on issues of the day and so forth. Um, uh, or the uh, you know other religious traditions of the world might. Um, he wanted to go to Vaishnavism to have that kind of a force and an influence, and um, he felt it was possible, given his understanding of the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that caused a revolution within him. <clears throat> So that uh, vision was a, that, that uh, conception of his was um, very uh, pivotal to um, the condition that we find Gaudi Vaishnavism in and today in terms of its wide distribution. The idea, Pujapachita Maharaj used to like to say, came in the in Bhakti Vinod talk with the idea of it. I mean, you think it's not such a big idea, but nobody had the idea that it was even possible, such a thing. Hmm? And Gaudiya Vaishnavism was, was, wasn't in a state entirely of disrepair. No, there were great Gaudiya Vaishnavas, um, but they weren't being given much credence, and there were many things out and about in the name of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, hmm? uh, giving it a bad name, to the extent that it was said that it, if a pious Hindu opened their door uh, to a beggar and found that it was a Gaudiya Vaishnava, they would just, from their servant, oh, it's, a, it's a, one of those Gaudiya people, oh, give them some fruit and tell them to go away. And I have nothing, we have nothing to learn from them. Hmm? Um, so from that kind of condition where Gaudiya Vaishnavism was moving towards obscurity on the world scene in India and even in Bengal. Hmm? This was a time when uh, the West was, India was interfacing with the West and Western ideas were being systematically distributed in India. The British came and unknown at the time in India was the printing press. British brought the printing press and with it the Bible. Hmm? And they printed the Bible widely and distributed it and they, got, and they translated it into many local uh, vernaculars. Hmm? Uh, so they were systematically distributing the one true religion as they thought and that would do away with the paganism of, of India and so forth. And and they were, while they were distributing their own message of the Bible, they were attacking the Vedic literatures um, as being 
uh, about fictitious people and superstition and, and so on and so forth. Here was a form of Christianity that had already interfaced uh, centuries ago with um, rationality. In the history of Christianity, we have the great Thomas Aquinas, who took the task of kind of um, balancing out reason and faith within the church, Catholic Church at the time. At the time, some writings of Aristotle had come to the surface that previously had uh, had not uh, been circulated. And the truths in them, secular truths in them, were very powerful. And they had to be thought about in light of the current thinking amongst the, the Christians, who were only Catholics at the time, the, and the Bible, their idea of the Bible and, and the world and and, and so forth. So here they had their tender heart, Christian heart, and they had to meet with the head of rationality and some facts. And so, so Aquinas, Aquinas took this task up. This began the theologizing, if you will, in Christianity that, that, that harmonized to one extent another reason and, and, and faith started that whole development. Whereas in India, you have your, your traditions of that nature. The Vedanta and all its different schools are a reasoning about the significance of the scripture and so forth, but, and, and theologizing and, and harmonizing head and heart to an extent. But here come the British into India with information about the world derived from Secular pursuits, science, and so forth, uh, and the rational, you know, Western mindset um, into uh, into India, and while they've already, to their own satisfaction, at that point, rationalized out their faith so that it made sense, and they were comfortable with it, and so forth, they made this considerable attack on Indian uh, religious thought. Super, it's uh, perceived, uh, in some cases, actual superstition, uh, and, and 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 so forth. So, India was kind of under attack, and Gaudiya Vaishnavism, within that, wasn't even being considered very seriously by the progressive, um, pious and educated people of India. So, in the midst of this climate. Bhaktivinoda Thakur himself, having no regard for Gaudiya Vaishnavism, or let us say, the Bhagwat, which is the book of the Gaudiyas, as we know, that Mahaprabhu embraced and held to his heart and considered his own heart. This book, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, in his own um, words, said he developed a hatred for it. As he had learned about it in the schools and educational systems of the time, so you can this is just to give you some idea how they were plummeting the Bhagwat. You know, it is said that the Christians found in Hinduism the closest thing to the true religion that they thought was Christianity in Vaishnavism, where there was bhakti, devotion, love for the God, and so forth, as opposed to the Advaitin idea of of the, you're all God and there's no God to worship, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't like that idea. And um, they attacked that as well. In Vaishnavism, they found the closest thing to the true religion, but when it comes to the Bhagwat, then yeah, it all went to hell because here your God is a womanizer and a thief and, a, and he can't be trusted and so on and so forth. Uh, and all these fabulous stories, mythological stories, not a real person, and this is your God, and, and so forth. So they uh, really took a huge exception to the Bhagavad. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur admits of his own prejudice due to that environment, 
towards the Bhagwat, and uh, there were competing at the time ideas within Hinduism about uh, of reforming Hinduism and 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 doing this interface with modern thought and and uh, science, if you will, and and coming up with a with a Hindu well-reasoned in terms of current thinking kind of doctrine. And some of them, in doing that, did away with the Bhagavad altogether. They didn't want to touch that. They said, this is just, it's not one of our scriptures. This is interpolation. I mean, somebody came along and wrote it. It's not one of the divine texts. Hmm? Uh, so this was, again, the climate. But Bhattivinoda Thakur, in his uh, search for truth, while he was reading the leading um, thinkers of the West, um, spending his time at the library as much as he could and uh, uh, just uh, devouring the, uh, the philosophical thoughts of the day, he happened to come in touch with the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's understanding of the Bhagavat. And this caused a revolution within him. And it was so great that he felt this Bhagavat has the power hmm, to deal with any of the Western thought, hmm, to compete with that, to be on a, you know, a, to, and, and more. Hmm. And amongst the, the, the thinking and, and the literature of the time, or, or, or of, the, of, the, of, of India, hmm, he thought all the other religious books of India, the Veda, the Upanishad, they could be done away with. And the Bhagavad, the Bhagavad alone was there. Nothing would be lost. Everything is there in the Bhagavad. He had such a powerful uh, conversion, if you will, that uh, we see him as as a devotee waiting only for his time to come when all that was in him and all that he took birth to do would would come out. There's a historical, you know, uh, timing for all of that and so forth. Uh, but it was there within him, waiting to come out, just touched by Chaitanya's teaching. You can't, I mean, a lot of people get touched by it, but how he got touched by it was so powerful that within him came the idea, I could take this all over the world. This can compete with any thought out there hmm? and, uh, and, and win. Hmm? This is the whole of the Indian thinking from, from the time of its, its beginnings in the scriptural writings and commentaries to the day of Vyas, you know, as seen then uh, only 500 years in the past, from his time, less than that, really, um, um, as understood by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he saw, really, the Bhagavatam to be the New Testament of the Vedas, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to be the, he called him the Eastern Savior of Nadia, hmm? as compared to the Western Savior of, uh, of, of Jerusalem, as the Christians thought. So he started <laughs> promoting this idea. We have our Eastern Savior, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? And uh, the validity, as I like to say, of the Bhagavatam, of Krishna in the Bhagavatam, is proven. The reality, the ontological reality, hmm? the objective reality of, of Krishna is proven in the ecstasy, in the bhava, in the prem, in the love of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. If you look at the, Chet, the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it's derived from his reposing his heart in Krishna. You cannot get that from reposing it in a, fic, in a fictitious character, hmm? um, in, a, in a falsity. You cannot get the symptoms of love of God that even in later years, in more modern times, I've cited in my book, Rasa, a statement from a Christian Protestant uh, theologian about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He said, I think that nowhere in the religious history of the world is there anyone who more embodies the 
love of Godhead that Christ talked about than the 15th uh, uh, century saint from Bengal, Sri Chaitanya, who fell in a swoon by hearing and chanting the name of Krishna and so forth and so on. So it's for the, for the honest people, as I said before in previous talks, the, the Christians came to India with an agenda. Not to be converted, but to convert. Not to converse, even, but to convert. And um, uh, some looked at the person of Chaitanya in the history as Bhaktivinoda's conception started to take shape in the hands of his son and disciple Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Srinamar said the conception came in Bhaktivinoda and then Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur gave some form to that. So having given some form to the conception of Bhaktivinoda Thakur and some dignity to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, in Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur's movement, educated people were joining Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? Educated people and... Uh, people of um, distinction, hmm? material distinction and so forth, taking people from Gandhi's movement and, and, uh, and so on, that it, it gave some recognition, it was getting some recognition, coming out of the jungle, so to speak, and, uh, and uh, the perception of it at the time was starting to change, evidence being that these young people were joining Bhaktisiddhanta, young men becoming monks from and leaving education of the world and, uh, and Gandhi's movement, even as I said, which was a huge thing. So <clears throat> that time, and some notice of it, it came under the lens on the radar of the Christian Orientalists, you know, the original missionaries, as they were called. And one fellow, Kennedy, who's famous, he he he. Began to analyze Gaudiya Vaishnavism and try to take the life out of it and so forth. And they would see people like that would see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's ecstasy as epileptic fits. Apparently, he was, you know, prone to epilepsy and so forth. But as I say, we don't know epilepsy that's contagious. Hmm? We have no, we have not seen that. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's ecstasy, which was an epilepsy, was indeed uh, contagious. Overflowing into so many people and and uh, so on. So <clears throat> these were the times, and and Bhakti Vinod was like alone in this. Hmm? He prayed for help, uh, for like uh, a ray of Vishnu or something like that. Is that what they call? And so Bhakti Siddhanta was considered to be that ray that came to help him to give shape to his idea. I mean, he's alone in the world thinking, and he just touched the Bhagavatam and went through the pages. And he did, at 31 years old, he delivered his famous speech, the Bhagavat. It's a powerful, powerful, compelling speech, and everyone should should read it and study it. And there he he, he begins to do what we do, as is as in the Bhakti Vinod Parivar, which is the characteristic really, of our lineage, we take the Bhagavat spirit hmm, and we apply it and make sense out of it and show the sense of it in relation to whatever else makes sense, facts, and so forth. If we find a fact that seems to contradict the Bhagavatam, we find we look back and read the Bhagavatam more correctly hmm, to find out Oh, Bhagavad is actually not contradicting this. It cannot contradict any truth. So this 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 is some this takes some this is the theology. This is this is that harmonizing of the heart and the head. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur began to do this with the Bhagavad, which is doing it with the essence of all the sacred texts. He saw it again as a, as a New Testament, and indeed it really is a New Testament of the Vedic literature. Hmm? After it's all said and done, Vyasa himself distanced himself from his own writings hmm? to think again 
to reflect again and redo the whole thing in one book. So sometimes it's thought that the contribution of Bhakti Thakur in this regard is something he borrowed from the modern world, like looking at the text critically hmm? and, and, and so forth and, and making sense out of them and looking for maybe something maybe relative, something maybe absolute in it, sorting all that out, that kind of a thing, looking at what might be cultural baggage and what maybe the essential message, um, this, this kind of thing. We find that it really his approach to it was not modern, but it was but the but the approach of Vyasa itself was modern, if you will. In other words, what modern people were doing, Vyasa himself did. He took a critical look at all that he wrote, rethought it, and rewrote it all in one one book. Which means to say that it's an ongoing discourse. This revelation, the Bhagwat. Uh, so, uh, so he just really following, he captured the essential spirit of the author of the Bhagavatam, Vyas, and then employed that in speaking about it to people who had begun to lose sight of that spirit and make the book stagnant and just so many pages and uh, identify with the letter of the the book rather than the spirit of it, hmm? the literal um, understanding rather than the spirit and the implications and so forth. Hmm? And again, this is what Vyasa was doing when he wrote the Bhagavad in the first place. There he's tra- he's showing that, that the transcending of caste and and uh, and uh, social reform and and um, um, sorting out, uh, separating out jnana and karma from bhakti and within bhakti, taking us to the heart of bhakti, rag bhakti, and so forth. So it's a very extraordinary idea. And so bhakti Thakur actually by reading like once in the view of, from the eye, through the eyes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he saw it better than most Chaitanya Vaishnavas what it was really saying, what the implication was. And he caught the spirit of it in terms of its um, ideal. And he saw that ideal in terms of the modern world and other thinking and and the universality of it and so forth. So he had this strong and powerful sense, this is it. This could go everywhere. This has currency everywhere for all times and so forth. And he had studied the Bible and the Koran also, hmm? Western thinkers. And uh, so he wasn't, uh, and he had a dislike for the, for the Bhagavatam. So this is a person who, who <laughs> you know, he wasn't a born as a Gaudiya person and he didn't... Um, you know, try to make it work because of his faith and so forth. He's coming in. So it's very important to understand that. Hmm? How it, Historically, we want to say it's all in him and it just came out when he touched it, that we say, yes, but it, it, it all came out in a certain way to make a point to us that this book, under scrutiny, has currency in the modern world, you know, for, for all times. Here is an educated person moving away from this idea of the Bhagavad and how it was misrepresented and so forth. I mean, to come into and, and with a prejudice to that and then be converted. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, to do that from having been educated with Western thought, Western religious thought, Western secular thought, Indian religious thought, Indian secular thought, and so forth. The Bhaktivinoda Thakur's Coming to Gaudiya Vaishnavism is a whole ex- life and existential crisis. Hmm? It, his whole, from early you know teens, it's a huge and deeply profound existential crisis. I mean, everyone has an existential crisis. 
you know, like, I'm on my own. <laughs> I gotta make it. <laughs> how, how do I do it, you know? Where does the next meal come from, you know? I'm out of the nest here, you know? So we become a little open at that time for, you know, what might be the best thing to do and so forth. So he was having that, but in, but his his existential crisis was deep. I mean, it caused him to really look deep into the meaning of life and all. He just like a like 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 a glutton, you know, devoured every thought out there that he could come in touch with. Hmm? He's the first like example, really, of a Gaudiya Vaishnava, who's he had. He's actually from the West, almost, I want to say. He's the first Western convert, almost. You know. He's like half Western you know, himself, you know, and, uh, and uh, converted to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? Back to his Indian and Hindu roots and then seeing it in, a, in that light. And then, then they're alone. Hmm? And his view was, this can go everywhere. I need some help, hmm? was the idea. Because they said, Sri Ramar said this, so the conception came in him. And then Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsat Thakur gave some shape to that. Hmm? Bhakti Vinod Thakur said, I consider myself to be a sweeper, street sweeper, in front of the Sankirtan party of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates. I'm simply a, st- a street sweeper. They're coming. If you, you, when we first went to, Navad, to Nadia, to, to, to Navadweep, to Bengal, and uh, Mayapur, Navadweep, it was 1973, I think, or 1974. Bhakti Mnod had predicted there will be a time in the world when people from all nations gather in Mayapur and chant Jai Sachinandan, Jai Sachinandan, Jai Sachinandan. And I was there for that. I was part of that fulfilling of that prediction for the first time. And um, we gathered in Mayapur for the first time, people from Germany, people from England, from France, from Latin America, North America, and so forth, uh, from all over the world. And in Mayapur, on the road, which was was called Bhaktisiddhanta Road, Hmm. now, there's all so many temples of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasitakras, Students and his big temple, his samadhi is on that road, and the Prabhupada's Mayapur Trinidaya temple is there. Of course, we're getting to the point where Sridhar said it's conceived by Bhakti Vinod, it was given shape by Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasitagar, and Bhakti Vinanta Swami Prabhupada took it all over the world and brought it back, and the, and the prediction of Bhakti Vinod Thakur was fulfilled. And there we were on the street chanting Jai Sachinan, big huge kirtan, Jai Sachinandan, Jai Sachinandan, Jai Sachinandan. And Hare Krishna and the Bengali uh, people of Nadia would come out, and they would get in front and they would sweep the street, and then they would they would take a lamp and offer it to the Sankirtan party and these little sweets they made, and they would take a big plate like that and offer it to us and set it on the street. Hmm? And the further we'd go, another person would come out and do the same thing. Hmm? So <laughs> it was so charming. So endearing, so compelling, hmm? and how they felt—you can imagine their hometown boy, the savior, eastern savior of Nadia, hmm? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Sachinandan. Hmm? There, his name was being chanted by people from all over the world. I mean, they were just <laughs> blown away, you know, by that. Hmm? This is the, the what we call the Bhakti Vinod Paribar. This family of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this lineage, did this for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur considered himself like one of those sweepers in the street of the Sankirtan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which he could see in his heart. And Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsri Thakur said, And I am a straw, one straw in the broom of Bhaktivinoda. My Guru Maharaj used to say, this movement of mine, his movement, is this is the mission of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Hmm? We are following all in the wake of what he, um, what he conceived, and, and his will will be done 
<laughs> Something like that. Bhaktisiddhan Sarsitak was fond of saying, we must uh, keep the current of Bhakti Thakur alive in the world. Hmm? Outside of India, there is no one. Go out there, Shraddha, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism from anywhere other than directly or indirectly from the influence of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So we could try to understand who, who, who he is, what he did for Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And it's in no way an exaggeration to say as a famous um, journalist in Calcutta, of the time did uh, about Bhaktivinoda Thakur that in Bhaktivinoda Thakur we find the seventh Goswami. The six Goswamis took the teaching of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they put it in Sanskrit, which was the universal religious language of dignity, hmm? and they, they, they theologized about his ecstasy. They explained it. They gave it a whole, they, they gave it a, a theory of everything from, from the you know, from the heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Here's the theory of everything. They did that. That's powerful. They formed the Sampradaya. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur, 400-some years later, reformed it in light of, of, of new developments. The decay of Gaudiya Vaishnavism due to the influence of time, misrepresentation, misunderstanding of it, and so forth. And the findings of the modern world, where the world was going. He he gave dignity to it by his own adherence to it, his own practice. Hmm? He exemplified Gaudiya Vaishnavism in a way that was uh, compelling and, 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 and dignified. And, and he shed light on the Bhagavat, giving it dignity by speaking about it in, in essential, essential terms. Hmm? As, as the book itself is speaking about spirituality, is, is the point that I made earlier. And he interfaced then with the, with the modern world mm-hmm. and gave hope to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, light for, for you know, life in uh, changing times and beyond India and so on. So it's very, uh, it's very, it's very appropriate the comparison, you know, just call him the seventh Goswami. He, uh, the, the Goswamis gave the Bhagavatam to the world with their commentaries. He gave it again, Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And he wrote about it, of course, in, in Sanskrit. He wrote about it in Bengali also. He wrote about it in English as well. Hmm? And, um, and so Bhaktivinoda Thakur then went his direction and formed a mission and missionaries and sent them out and so forth. And of course, one of them was Guru Maharaj who did it in a big way and it all came back to India and this was fulfilled in a, you know, in a, in a literal sense. But there's more, of course, to be fulfilled. And we gather today at a time like this and think about Bhaktivinoda Thakur. We, we have to realize that we're, we're kind of charged with this not just to sit here comfortably in the forest here, but you know, to to make an example, to bring dignity to go to Vaishnavism. And we find that in this kind of succession where the conception came in Bhakti Vinod, was given shape by Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsri Thakur and Prabhupada Bhakti Vinanta Swami, Maharaj took it around the world, hmm? widespread. Then we find that now uh, also, there's a, there's a there's a time like Bhakti Vinod of a hundred you know plus um, years ago, where Gaudiya Vaishnavism has been distributed in new lands and so forth, and with it comes misunderstanding of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, misunderstanding of the Bhagwat. Hmm? You read the Bhagwat speech, and then you'll see uh, that uh, why you have to go back sometimes to go forward. Go back to Bhakti Vinod, now take his approach and apply it. And why Prabhupada had his particular approach. The Goswami's commentaries on the Bhagavad, Bhakti Vinod Thakur said, are for Kanishta Adhikaris. What he meant by that is they do not explain it. They do not, they do not very much reason with it. In other words, they're dealing with people who, don't, who aren't possessed of a need for everything to make perfect sense. Is that accurate historically? Is it a fact? 
an objective fact, and that you know we're like troubled by that. The Western mind is troubled by that. They didn't need that. They told the stories of the Bhagavatam. They 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 commented upon them, draw it out, drew out the bhava and so forth. In that sense, it's for higher people. But in this sense, he meant for Kanishtadikari that they didn't they didn't reason about it much, hmm? and there wasn't a necessity. Bhaktivinoda Thakur started to do that because um, of the necessity of people to do so. And everybody has to do it to some extent, but the necessity was greater. Then Prabhupada taking the thing out, he gave kind of a Kalishta Adhikari conception about it. He, he reasoned about it to some extent and so forth. But he kind of he kind of wanted to close the door of reasoning about it to a large extent, stop us from thinking in a language of Bhakti or Bhakti Goswami, so he could put so many things in our heart. And after his departure, he told us, "Now we have to think about those things and so forth." So he, he was very successful hmm, for presenting his Bhagwat commentary and his particular approach the way he did. It was very successful, but that approach will not be as successful at the present time given the state of affairs and the misrepresentation of Gaudi Vaishnavism and so forth. You read the Bhagavad speech and you think, this is how we have to present it at this time. Anybody with a brain will see that this is this will have currency at the present time. So um, so everything has its place. Preaching has, you know, its its time, its circumstance that makes it uh, makes a particular approach valuable, important and so forth. Within the Bhakti Vinod Parivar, we have different approaches at different times. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsathakura had a particular approach. My Guru Marsh Pujapad Sridhar Marsh came then, in a sense, after that, although he was senior to Prabhupada. After that, in terms of interface with the Western world and so forth, and then there's people like, like us and so forth. This is Bhakti Vinod Parivar. And so we have to carry on this, this line. We have to see our great and great, great, as it may be, grandfather Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarchi Thakur called it the Bhaktivinoda Paribar, and it's appropriate. Paribar means like a family, and it means it, 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 it means mostly like, okay, you have Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and you have Nityananda Prabhu, who is a media associate, you have Srivast Thakur, you have, you have um, Gadadhar Pandit, and so forth. They started the Paribar, the Gadadhar Paribar, the Nityananda Paribar which is a succession, a lineage, coming from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? We call ours, ours the Bhakti Vinod Paribar. He's the seventh Goswami. The Goswamis have Paribars also, kind of. They're not called Paribars, but they're... But it's a similar concept, a similar idea. Hmm? Um, they were immediate disciples of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when they started lineages. And so it's thought that your lineage should trace back to one of them. We say ours traces back to Bhakti Vinod. He's the seventh Goswami. We also find that this idea of the Paribar has been used in Gaudiya Vaishnavism in relation to someone who made a major contribution. Lokanath Goswami, for example, is the guru of Narottam Thakur. And Narottam Thakur is the lone disciple of Lokanath Goswami. And Narottam himself had many, many, many disciples and widely distributed Gaudiya Vaishnavism. All of his songs even we're singing today. Hmm? And his sect is called, often called Narottam Paribar. They don't call it the Lokanath Paribar, but the Narottam Paribar. Shamananda Paribar is another one. These are Paribars, if you will, as they're called, that, that are for, were formed after, they're not immediate associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Shamananda Paribar is another mm, sect. There's a whole story of Shamananda, Pandit, and so forth. Duki Krishnadas. It's a very interesting story. So we have every right, if you will, to name our sect, the Bhaktivinoda Paribar, and trace our origins in you know recent history, within 100, 150 years, to uh, Taku Bhaktivinoda, to make a focus there. Not that we dis- we, we ignore the, the, the succession previous to him that he came in and so forth, but we we're highlighting his contribution 
and it's so appropriate. His work in terms of writing, his work in terms of revealing the Dham, Navadweep, was analogous to the work of the Goswamis revealing the Dham of Vrindavan. The Vrindavan Dham was lost. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went there. No one knew where the places of Krishna's pastimes were. He envisioned them, then he commissioned the Goswamis to, to establish that. And they, by their preaching, they got the patronage of kings, and so bathing gods and temples and uh, memorials of stone and stone were built, commemorating, here is Keshi God, here is Vamsi God, here is where Krishna uh, did the... Uh, you know, Nidivan or Rasastali, where he did the Rasa dance, and this is this place, and this and it's just all these stone edifices and so forth, like to establish it once and for all. You know, Krishna really was here. We put it in stone. You know, mm-hmm. something like that. You know, so this is all the patronage that the Goswamis um, gathered by their example and by their preaching to establish Vrindavan, and. Navadweep, the place of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which is Gupta Vrindavan, hidden Vrindavan, was had been lost. Bhakti Thakur reestablished what is the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and through Bhakti Siddhanta brought so many pilgrims there, and so that whole pilgrimage of Nadia, international and 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 and, and much in India and so forth amongst the uh, ethnic Indians coming there is uh, on Gorpurnim and such holy days is. So much due to the influence of Thakur Bhaktivinoda. So his work is very analogous. His writing, like the Goswamis, is prolific. And uh, and then, of course, his interface with the Western world, with modern people. The Goswamis were interfacing with kings, powerful, influential people, the, the political elite of the time. Hmm? Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, this should be the kind of thing that, you know, is discussed at the, you know, with the, at the, United Nations, the Bhagwat, you know, how to bring all the nations together, how to unite them and have them be different at the same time. <laughs> uh, so, um, anyway, we're proud to be members of the Bhakti Vinod Party, but we should understand what, what goes with that. We have some obligation to keep this, uh, you know, above water, not let it plunge me back into superstition and religious fanaticism and literal... Uh, takes on aspects of the Bhagavatam that are dispensable or cultural baggage or relative. Uh, you know the famous statement of the, of, for example, of the uh, of Bhaktivinoda's Bhagavat speech, and, and there are things in the Bhagavat taken from other books to to scare us, the hells and so forth. Uh, hmm? we, we went on to say. What's important here is that there are consequences for action. This is the principle of the Bhagavad. There are consequences for action. Hmm? Um, and so if we don't conduct ourselves properly in human life, there will be consequences. Hmm? And if we do, there will be good consequences. This, he says, is a fact. The stories of the burning the guy in oil and so forth, they're in the Bhagavatam. He says, these things we don't have to take literally. Hmm? And of course, what to speak of not having to take them literally? We don't even have to think about it. We chant the holy name. That's what the Bhagavad itself says. Hmm? Those who chant, that's the whole story. When those, all those hells are told and then Pritchett Mar says, oh, how can we help people from such conditions? Then that story of Ajamil comes. Simply chant the holy name and then no, no, no problem. So to sort all this out, and then you have other people in the name of Chaitanya Vaishnava saying, you know, they're going to hell, you know. They're going to be burning kumbi paka, you know. For for the, they're talking other Vaishnavas they speak of like this, you know, because they don't accept the hells literally. They'll be burned there, then you know. <laughs> <laughs> so these are problems. Uh, that in the, in, the, in the, when you take this teaching, rich as it is, I mean, if it can interface with all the you know thinking of all time, so to speak, as Bhaktivedanta saw it, wow. Then you put that in the hands of you know uneducated people in the Western world, and um, you're going to get a misreading of the Bhagavatam. 
Bhaktivinoda Thakur cautioned us the three things. There will be misreading of the Bhagavatam. We should watch for that. There is irrationality in the Bhagavatam. We should understand it in, in perspective. And there, there are, what did else did he say? There's another one. There are, uh, that it's a, that it's a intelligibility. It's a difficult book to understand, to sort it all out. These are, these are obstacles. The intelligibility of it, how it's written in an ancient Sanskrit, and what the implication of the word for a modern reader, it's, 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 it's formidable. Hmm? He said that's an obstacle. Then there's irrationality in the Bhagavatam, as it would appear to the rational mind. How is that possible kind of stuff in the Bhagavatam? And then there's the, the, the shallow reading of the Bhagavatam. Hmm? Very much we're suffering in the world today from a shallow reading of the Bhagavatam in the name of people who, you know, represent the Bhagavatam. So these obstacles have to be overcome in, in, in understanding its essence and representing it so that it has uh, a place in society, a dignified the place that it deserves in the, uh, in, in the world of thought. As I've said before, what's the book about? Hmm? This is the kind of thing that Bhaktivinoda was electrified by. I mean, this is a book about consciousness, right? Is that a current topic or what? You know that, that you couldn't find a more um, important topic really amongst thinking people. What is thinking? <laughs> you know we do that. What is thinking? Hmm? What is it that makes me think I am that I'm? You know, and, and the feeling is that that the thinking is superior. And causation comes from thinking. I think and then I do. That's how we, we feel. There's this feeling that there's something called thinking and consciousness that goes with it that's primal and causal. And then some people are arguing, no, it's the other way around. It's, it's, it's being caused. Thinking is being caused. by It's just a material process and so forth. This is a huge discussion amongst Really educated people, hmm? and um, you know, and, and and there's a strong push through uh, uh, science and empiricism, I should say, rational empiricism. Hmm? Uh, you know, for forcing this con- this this uh, conclusion on us that uh, that no uh, consciousness is not causal; it's it's caused. It's it's uh, and here the Bhagavatam is speaking about it in another way. And from the from the vision of experiencers that the secular people don't have experience of, those mystic states and so forth that they can only talk about and analyze and try to make less out of and so forth. But within all of that, I mean that's just that's just a small part of it. Hmm? It's it's the subject is the nature of consciousness and the nature the, the it's like like what is the what is like the consciousness of consciousness. That's when we get to the Ragmark and Krishna consciousness, and then Radha's love for. This is like going within the subject of consciousness. The subject of consciousness is just like, is it matter or is it spirit? This is like, you know, the 101 Upanishad type, you know, entry level from, from the Indian texts and religious history point of view. And the Western world is like struggling with that, you know. And I don't think so. There's no, we can't prove it that consciousness is different from matter. We can't, you know. So I don't think we believe that, you know. And then all this religious baggage goes with that. So forget that. I have to do this. I have to do that. I got to paint my face. I got to turn. I can't do this. I can't eat that, you know. I'm, you know, not gonna go with all that stuff. That's all the baggage that comes with this consciousness people, right? Consciousness is causal people, you know. So. To sort all that out, go to the essence, hmm? and then within that, within this, the topic, the discussion of consciousness, to go so deep where Gaudiya Vaishnavism goes. Uh, what is the like I say? It's like what is the consciousness of consciousness? What is the what is the Shakti of Bhagwan? What it, it means? Jairadhe. This is what it goes to. It's a, so overwhelming. Hmm? So such an important current topic to see it be distorted as and presented as some kind of sexist doctrine or 
or um, you know fundamentalist religious ideas. It's painful. Imagine how Bhakti Nuttakar was pained. We feel the pain don't, when we see this kind of misrepresentation. When the very way of understanding it through the Guru Parampara is being dismissed in the name of its teaching, for example, as a you know the Ritvik idea. So these are these are the things out and about. Uh, so this pained Bhaktivinotakur. This should pain us to think that the, that we know we have some idea what this is. We should see that it gets its its a, a, a fair hearing. And of course, the main way that we'll be able to bring that about is by to to, to, to exemplify the teaching, the Bible, and exemplify it. So Bhaktivinotakur was he did that. He lived. A long life, and uh, he was very active in outreach uh, for his whole uh, adult life, even while maintaining a family of ten children. Hmm? So, no excuses here, <laughs> right? You want to talk? People say, "Well, you know, Bhakti Vinod is a householder. You, know, you don't have to be a renunciate. Okay, you be a Bhakti Vinod. We we'll follow you. We we'll worship your feet. You know, no problem." <laughs> Yeah, pack the kids on under your arms and get out there, you know, and do the, do your sadhana, you know, whatever. He had ten kids, but there were, his family was secondary to his, you know, ideal. And, and he he used to conduct himself very seriously with his bhajan. Hmm? There was a once, um, uh, and he was revolutionary. I mean, he was with things he was saying, the way he was writing, and so forth. His his. Um, What's that one book? Krishna Sanghita and Jaiva Dharma. These were revolutionary books. He was he was critiquing his own own tradition um, and re-examining it and so forth. And there was some opposition to Bhaktivinoda Thakur. There's a story, a famous story. I forget the person involved, but someone was envious of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And um, it might have been in relation to the struggle that he had to establish the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because a fourth false place of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's birth was being promoted and people were getting money bilking, bilking the pilgrims for that, you know, pilgrims. And so he said, this isn't the real place. And he had a vision and he researched, he did he two, two things. He, he had a vision, a mystic vision from his house in Godrum, the other side of the, of the Jalangi River. And he saw this golden kind of temple there, and he thought, what was that? And he went, investigated the next night from his rooftop, he saw it again, him and his son, and one other person or family member. And so he uh, then he went and examined, he got old maps, and he did an empiric study as well to validate his mystical vision, and he established this is the actual birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It was overgrown with Tulsi. There were Muslims living there at the time. Hmm? So he managed to secure the land, put a deity there, hired somebody to worship it, which in India, if you get a piece of land, you put a deity, then you own it. Nobody can go there. So he got some guy. He was a ganja smoker. He used to supply the ganja, the marijuana to the guy, so he would stay there. He wouldn't leave and worship the deity in some way. And then this is how he was alone in this. You understand? So, so he had, and he had some challengers, because some Gaudiya people were, you know, making a business out of the religion, and he was potentially taking rice off of their, off their plates. Mm-hmm. And hey, that's not what you do with this religion. We use this to eat. When <laughs> he said, no, that's not. This is not. This will fill you up. That's for sure. But uh, it's not for just filling the body. Fill in the belly. That's not what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to fill. He came to end hunger altogether and every other symptom of our material disease of identification with the body. Our taking. He came to take away our taking by giving us love. And so some envious person of him made a plan to expose Bhaktivinotakur because he knew these Gaudi people, you know, they, even if they talk big, they're not. You know they don't they don't walk big, hmm? so he staked out Bhaktivinotakur's house hmm? and had somebody observe him secretly through all the wee hours to find out 
you know, what he was doing when nobody was looking, what his secrets were. And after, I don't know, I think a week or two weeks or something like that, the man became a follower of Bhaktivinoda. <laughs> he could not find anything. Hmm. Although he slept, he slept a little, he would get up and he would write and chant. So, you know, he, 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 he had ten kids, he, had a, he was working as a magistrate. Hmm. And so he's working in the British government at the time it was, India was occupied by the, by the British, interfacing with the British people and doing all of his sadhana, writing books about Gaudiya Vaishnavism in all of his spare time, all of his fun money spent for that. Hmm? He, he dealt with family obligations and everybody has free time, right? And their families all have free time hmm? invested in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Even the working time, he found time to make inroads for Gaudiya Vaishnavism. He was a magistrate. He got he got himself appointed once in, in to have some jurisdiction in the vicinity of Mathura, where pilgrims were being attacked on their way to Vrindavan by dacoits. And he he legislated and cleaned up the scene and so forth like this, so that pilgrims would be safe. Yeah, so he did all kinds of work like that, used his position in that way. And um, he led, led an exemplary religious and spiritual life. And in the last four years of his life, he locked himself up hmm, to himself. Four years of reclusive bhajan, no contact. People bring the meal underneath the door. He went mad hmm, in ecstasy of Krishna praying. Hmm. And he kindly wrote about that before he entered into his samadhi. He wrote about it, his inner life. It's not something that we ordinarily do, but to, I think to establish that this is a real thing, this is really happening, what the Goswamis did, the stories and so forth, their experiences, I'm having these too. Hmm. He wrote about it. He saw himself as Kamala Manjari, and it's all happening to me, it's happening to me. He wrote this like, diary of it and so forth, his inner experience. Usually we keep that to ourselves, but for the sake of, again, establishing Gaudiya Vaishnavism in a prominent way, he felt he was pressed to write about his inner experience as well. So huge contribution to the, to the, to the modern world. And we're so fortunate to be not only touched by it indirectly, but directly and being, well, you know, feeling the, the, the burden, if you will, the weight of, of the responsibility of that. You know, you get a great thing and with that comes some responsibility. So to live up to that. Hmm? It'll keep us honest and take us back to Godhead. Bhakti Bhinod Thakur Ki Jai. Si Alibab Mahmud Svatiti Thakur Bhakti Bhinod Ki Jai. Gold Premanande. All right, we'll stop there. Any question? Yeah. Hey, Raj, I've got two questions for you. So you mentioned this uh, famous speech that he wrote. I was wondering, what's it called and where can I find it? It's called the Bhagwat. You can probably find it online. We may have even a printed edition of it here. It's a book? It, it's been printed into a little book, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's called the Bhagwat, it's philosophy and ethics or something like that. How did he deal with all the people that he felt were misrepresenting? Well, Bhaktivinoda Thakur dealt with the people he was he felt were misrepresenting by by showing better himself, basically. Um, he uh, you know was in their midst. And so he couldn't just like punch him out, you know, kind of attack him, you know. So he had a more of a back, you know, door approach. Um, and of course, he wrote his books. Then, in the hands of Bhakti Sarasthi Thakur, he was able to come out a little bit more, hmm, with a, a giving shape to the idea of Bhakti. When he had a little more force of mission, and he would push on, on misrepresentation and so forth more directly. But. Um, 
he was at just a developmental stage, if you will, and what Bhakti Vinod Thakur wanted to do. So they are very different in that regard. Bhakti Vinod was kind of seen to be laid back about it, but he clearly pointed it all out. So Bhakti Siddhanta starts like he went to the, took that out of the book and put it in a shape and, and so forth. So some people say, well, Bhakti, Bhakti Siddhanta is not like Bhakti Vinod, you know. And he gave shape to the idea of Bhakti Vinod. Yes, Ron? Ragatmika. Ragatmika, yeah. Ragatmika. 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 Oh, Ragatmikas. Um, I was asking if they um, like only appear with like an avatar, like with Krishna or Chaitanya. Um, and they said that Bhakti Vinod was is considered a Rag. Some people consider him a, a, a internal associate of of Krishna, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Um, but other people don't. Either way, it is, uh, you can't prove it. Right. Generally, they, they come with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when Krishna comes and so forth and so on. But um, it's kind of tied to the seventh Goswami idea and a reappe- reappearance, and it's all quite possible. And it was the vision of Bhakti Siddhanta. So we, we tend to hold that, that position. Bhakti Nautaka wrote about himself as if that wasn't the case. But then so do all these associates of Mahaprabhu as well. <laughs> so, all right, we'll stop there. Bhakti Nautaka ki jai. Oh,